Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. You are listening to Bump and Stacy. Curtis Rogers in for Michael Bumpus today, and Daniel Kramer joining us right now. Daniel writes for MLB.com. He's a Mariners.com reporter joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Daniel, how's it going? Going great. May 21 for me down here. Another hour, so all is well. How are you guys? We are great. Thank you for asking. Um, and it sounds so far like it's been a great camp for Jared Kelnick. Daniel, I know you're being asked about him a ton. I'm sure editors are like, write everything you can about Jared, but it's for good reason. I mean, what can a good season from Jared Kelnick do for this team? Yeah, it, I was texting Jerry DePoto about this last night. If he can be a guy, or even better, a dude, like this lineup just looks so much different. His impact um, as a potential run producer, which he doesn't have to be right this second, but it just looks a lot different. And then all of a sudden you consider the fact that maybe they didn't really need to go out and spend $300 million on an impact-type player. So, uh, so far, so good. Um, Signs with Jared. uh, You know, it's really kind of stood out to me more than – you know, the, the towering home runs and whatnot, and they do stand out for sure. But he's just kind of brought this uh, intensity about himself. And I think he's always had that, but it, it seems like he's channeled it a little bit differently this spring. You know, he comes in and he's very intentional about his work, you know, hitting the weight room, doing his uh, side sessions, BP and everything. But he's just like, he's a lot more quiet about how he goes about his business. I think it just goes back to, wanting to come in here and, and do his job and, you know, focus on how he can get better every day and help more so help the team get better every day. Um, whereas in years past, I mean, 2021, there was some drama over, you know, when he would get back to the, ma- or when he would reach the majors. And then last year, um, you know, he came in really happy and, you know, made some off season adjustments and then didn't see results right away. So it, that that intensity and how he's channeling it uh, has really stood out to me so far this spring. Daniel, when all of us are watching spring training games, it's it's hard to kind of buy into what we're seeing because ultimately the stats that we see don't count towards the regular season. But when you're watching these games, what are the things that you're looking for that tell you what you're seeing in front of your eyes is real and can be translated into the regular season? Yeah, I mean... It sounds cliche, but like process. Um, and that's another thing that stood out with Jared. You know, it was eight days ago where he hit those two homers in surprise. And, uh, you know, he talked about, I won every pitch today. He worked himself into favorable counts, but then said he wasn't really even thinking about the count. So when you see and hear him talk in that regard, uh, especially when it's the overhauls he's made mentally and physically, um, it, it lends itself to a little bit of credibility, I think. But at the same time, like you guys have said on the past week and a half, you know, it's not going to really matter until the regular season starts and, and if we see it translate up there. Uh, we're going to see Luis Castillo today. Bryce Miller going to follow him. Uh, wanted to talk a bit about the potential of, of some of these arms. We're not doubting Luis Castillo. Everyone knows who Robbie Ray can be at his very best. Uh, what about the potential for, for some of these young guys? I mean, how good can George Kirby be and how much can he step forward this year? And same with Logan Gilbert. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the narrative with them is a legitimate one about workload management, which is why they've kind of eased them into spring. I asked both of those guys the same question after their Cactus League debuts in separate days. Like, how did you feel after the dust settled and you know, the ALDS is over and you go home? Like, how does your body feel? And they both said, like, I was pretty tired. So I think learning the rigors of a major league season was really good for them. Um, they're super intelligent when it comes to arm care routine as well. And, uh, you know, having those veteran guys, especially the workhorses like Marco and Luis and Robbie, who have just racked up innings over the years like no other in a, in a lot of ways, to, to be able to lean on those guys and, and learn how to take care of your body, especially as you're, you know, continuing to build that arm strength because they are so young. Um, so if they can stay healthy on on paper, it looks like one of the best rotations in the American League. Mm-hmm. I know that you know the Astros return a lot, um, even though they did lose Justin Verlander. But you've got a stable of consistency um, between established veterans, a Cy Young winner in Robbie, a Cy Young potential winner in Luis Castillo, and then you talk about those two young guys and what they've shown so far early in their careers. Um, there's a lot to like uh, with what they what they do with their starting pitching. Daniel Chris Flexen looked pretty solid yesterday in his uh, outing. What is the plan for him this season? Is it going to be kind of what we saw from him at the end of the year where he makes the occasional start, kind of a long guy out of the bullpen, or do they have a little bit more in store for him? If they do have anything more, they're not really saying so much, at least right now. Um, I asked Scott Service, you know, kind of this very question yesterday. If the season started tomorrow, which Still go with the one through five that you finished the year last year, and you know his special marks were. Well, the season doesn't start tomorrow, and I I get it, but like people at the same time are asking, you know, the question about flexing and what his role is, and um, you know, he did have some success in that bullpen role. He just didn't pitch as often as you know maybe here the team would have liked, just because you know he's a multi-inning guy. Circumstances maybe didn't dictate, uh, you know, in some of those games in September. But they are stretching him out of the summer, which, all things standing, if, if he's still on the opening day roster, that's what they're saying right now is, is the role that he'll be in. Um, and he would also represent a potential reinforcement should somebody go down. So uh, that's kind of where things stand with Flex. He's maybe stood out more than any of the six capable starters on their roster so far in a, in a very early showing. Um and he showed up with kind of a chip on his shoulder, like wanting to come in here, prove himself, um, remind everybody the talent that he is. Because I think a lot of those trade rumors over the winter, um, you know, he, he's a guy that was thinking about them for sure. Uh, and it impacted him. And, you know, he just became a father and he's super excited about that. Um, so that was a little bit of a distraction. But, you know, he sees it, he hears it. And I think that's uh, why he wants to come in here and, and prove himself. Uh, in addition to Julio looking every bit like Julio, um, have you looked at other parts of this roster where you're like, okay, this needs to go right? Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, is there a liability on the roster where um, there's a ton of potential, but also some potential for regression? A liability. I mean, you, you want to see that left field platoon situation have some stability, right? With Kelnick and Pollock and all signs so far between those two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, again, regular season results will dictate it. Uh, you, 
you like what you've got at the catching situation too with both of those guys healthy. I mean, Cal leading the league in home runs at the position last year and, um, you know, coming into camp feeling really good. And then you have Tom Murphy, who I, I sneakily think could be a huge factor for this team. Uh, mm-hmm. If he can stay on the field, he, he brings a really good acumen. He knows the pitching staff really well. He's cognizant that he's getting up there in years. Um, and he, he hit he hits lefties really well, too. So you could see an opportunity to have both of those guys in the lineup at the same time and kind of spell Cal. But again, both of those guys, like over the course of the season, got really banged up. I mean, Cal, like with the, the torn UCL in his thumb and Tom with season-ending shoulder surgery very early on. So there's a lot to like at that position, um, especially with the acumen that both of those guys bring to a talented pitching staff. Keeping them on the field would be huge. Um, but if, if they were to experience setbacks or anything, and again, they're both healthy, but that could be a liability um, at the catcher position if, if those guys end up you know, going down or whatever. We saw Evan White get scratched from the lineup a couple of days ago, but then he came back and, and was back in the lineup. Uh, what are expectations for him? Because he's a guy that Mariners fans are obviously familiar with, but it feels like it's been forever since we saw him at the major league level. We know his glove is, is always going to play at the big league level, but uh, are you seeing strides with the bat at all? Homer the other day uh, in, I think it was at Camelback. It was, you know, 105 plus eggs of ELO, um, just all over a fastball. And it was a really good sign to see. Um, with him, I think it's it's always going to be about playing every day. They've made it no secret. I know that Shannon has talked to you guys about that too, but just wanting to see consistency on the field, repetition, and staying healthy. Um, you know, he's only played in. 32 minor league games over the past two years, let alone, you know, all the absences had at the big league level. So as it stands, unless like something happens with Ty France, um, you know, in the next couple weeks, it, the, the likely plan is for Evan to go down at AAA, um, see consistent regular pitching, um, you know, build up some confidence. Uh, but they've, they've been very outspoken in that they see him being in, a player on this major league roster at some point this season and a guy that can help him help them. Um, but his path to the opening day roster is probably not as clear, if that makes sense. Yeah. We're talking with Daniel Kramer, writer for Mariners.com and MLB.com right now. Just a couple more minutes here with Daniel. Daniel, again, thanks for taking the time. I, um, I don't know the future, but Daniel, if I did, and if I could tell you, hey, Daniel, I can tell you the first five games for any one Mariners player. I can tell you what they're going to be during the regular season. Which player would you choose, and why would you want to know about that player's first five games? Are you talking about the regular season? The regular season. If I was like, okay, I promise you, and I say five games because it would be like five starts for a pitcher, but if it was like, hey, here's you get to know the stat line for the first five games of any Mariners player during the regular season this upcoming season, like if you just knew the future, which player would you want to see? Oh, Kelnick, for sure. Yeah. I mean, because that's like, he's all we're talking about right now and for good reason, but it's also like the narrative is we're waiting to see regular season results, right? So mm-hmm. if, if you want to see him come out and have like a really strong first week, um, you know, he'll be playing against righties. Uh, so yeah, I, that, I think for sure, just because, 
we like what we're seeing so far, but we're also have the cognizance that, you know, it's not going to really matter until the games really truly count. So I think, yeah, Jared, for sure. Uh, Daniel Luis Castillo on the mound today. Uh, I mean, boy, getting a full season out of him this year in a Mariners uniform is going to be such a lift. Uh, what do you what do you make of what he can bring to this team in 2023? Because we got a, a real good taste of it at the end of last season. Uh, had some tremendous starts, I think, back to that start against the Yankees where it was a nothing-nothing ball game into the 13th inning. Him and Garrett Cole were just dueling every single night. Uh, it's been a long time since the Mariners have had a pitcher of, of his caliber. Uh, what is he going to bring to this team uh, when the regular season gets going? To be honest, I think he's going to have a monster season. He's on a good team. He's motivated. He reached the postseason and got that taste of it. He pitched so well for them down the stretch. He signed a five-year contract extension wanting to be here after only a month. So there's a lot of motivation to, to win with this group. And then you talk about the pure stuff. I mean, it's just so nasty. He's got two different fastballs that go in different directions. Um a changeup that he relied on a lot in his career that's still there. But the big pitch that I'm excited about and that a lot of the Mariners have urged him to throw more is the slider. Um, you know, it could be a huge breaking pitch for him, a huge weapon to him uh, against both righties and lefties, especially if he's able to create that movement that we saw down the stretch last year. Another thing is he, he gives you innings. He gives you consistency. You know, he doesn't have a history of, like, extended arm injuries. Um, and, you know, he's made it no secret. You ask him, what are your goals this year? He says, I want to make the opening day start. I want to make the all-star team, and I want to win the Cy Young. So he's even thinking about these things. So uh, just a super talented workhorse of a pitcher, um, you know, the kind of the kind of guy that you build a rotation around. Um, I think the Mariners have been interested in him for years and years, uh, and, you know, even made a push to try to trade for him last spring training uh, and then finally got the deal done uh, in August at the trade deadline. So they love him as long as he can stay healthy. And this is a guy that can give you six, seven, sometimes even more innings on any given night. And, you know, as Scott Service has said, every time I drive to the ballpark and he's pitching, I feel like we have a chance to win. And I think there's a lot of validity to that. So uh, expecting big things from him. Uh, more than maybe anybody on their pitching staff this season. He is Daniel Kramer, and if you are reading about the Mariners on MLB.com or Mariners.com, you're probably reading Daniel's work, so make sure you give him a follow, too. Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Anytime. All right, again, thank you to Daniel Kramer of MLB.com for joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline this hour of Bump and Stacy, brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Curtis Rogers in for Michael Bumpus today. Let's get to four down territory. This is Four Down Territory, going inside the game with former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down, Stacey. We're seeing the Rams start to pay their debts from their oh. spending sprees over the last couple. They got the bill. We all it's hate never fun that bill. when the bill comes. You feel so rich when, when you're you, spending. When you're spending. 
and you're like, it's no thing. Put it on the card. And then you get the bill and you go, oh. Like, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I thought you were covering that. Yeah, I thought this was on the house. <laughs> I thought this one was for free uh, just because I'm a good person. Well, another Rams linebacker could be available here in free agency. The Seahawks are in need. Could you see them making a push to sign this player who is... According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, Leonard Floyd. Ah. The Rams are expected to release Leonard Floyd uh, if they cannot trade him. They're going to try to trade him first. Uh, You guys remember Leonard Floyd as this uh, highly touted uh, prospect that was initially with Chicago. uh, Ended up following some of Chicago's defensive staff, uh, including Staley, uh, obviously now with the Chargers, but then with the Rams, to L.A. and and took off. Had seven sacks, I want to say, early in his first season. um, And has has been uh, one of their um, not sack leaders because they have Aaron Donald, but pretty consistent pass rushers at outside linebacker. The Seahawks do need linebacker depth badly, but their greatest need to me is an interior linebacker, which is why the Bobby Wagner conversation felt a little more fitting than this one when it came to holes on Seattle's defense. So it is worth mentioning Floyd has nine sacks last year, nine and a half sacks the year prior, 10 and a half in 2020. Now, those totals in each of those seasons would tie or lead the Seahawks. So he is no slump, right? Even though he is an outside linebacker and I was talking about needing an inside linebacker. Yeah, an outside linebacker can still rake. Seattle needs pass rush help. I personally, though, think that that would be best suited as an addition on the defensive line with the hope that then Daryl Taylor and Chen and Wosu and a healthy Jamal Adams can make up for those sack totals you get from Leonard. Second down. Stacy, I want you to give me three reasons. No. Please. Third down. No, 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 no. Second down. Give me three reasons to take Anthony Richardson at number five overall. Okay. Prefacing this with saying that I would take a defensive tackle or a defensive lineman at five overall. However, Number one, no one affects the game more than the quarterback. We know this. It seems very, very obvious, but this is a basic rule of football. No one can affect the game more than the quarterback. He touches the ball more than anyone else. Number two, I know coaches and players want to win now, and I know that fans want to win now, which is why we've been talking about bringing back Gino, who's more of a sure thing than an unknown at the very least. But drafting Richardson allows John Schneider to start a new part of his legacy. John Schneider has to think about winning now, but also winning down the road because that's just how the career of a GM works. It gives him cap flexibility and a rookie contract at the game's most expensive position. Also, thirdly, lastly, and maybe most tempting, the what-if factor. You know who I'm jealous of every season, Curtis? What is it? I mean, like a lot of things and people, but teams with young franchise quarterback. It's just fun. You know what I mean? Like it is. It's so fun. Like reading about the Bengals, reading about the Eagles, reading about the Chiefs, who now I, I know that friend, uh, Patrick Mahomes is young at 27, but now on a veteran deal. But like when you're hearing about these teams, it's just like, oh, God, I miss that. Like, I miss the feeling of, like, could Russell Wilson be the real deal? Those are are the best conversations. They were. Like, it's just, it's a fun conversation to have about football. There's a reason those conversations dominate football, because everyone's wondering, like, could this be the guy? And uh, Seattle hasn't been having that conversation for a really long time, because... They found out Russell Wilson was the guy, and then negotiating with Russell Wilson became a lot less fun than watching Russell Wilson when he was a rookie. Uh, it's, it's just a, a type of football conversation I miss having, and, and there is that temptation uh, of that uh, happening at number five. Third down. 
Stacey, we got a little Gino nugget this morning. Trademark. What was it? Okay, so yes, Gino did tweet a very cryptic thank you, Lord, tweet, but that's not what this is. Instead, I am pointing to a column from Sports Illustrated's Albert Breer published this morning, just a couple hours ago. In fact, his latest is about a deal for Daniel Jones in New York. Jones is reportedly or was reportedly asking for $45 million per year, which he may have backed off after that offer for good reason. Uh, according to Breer, the Giants have also used the franchise tag as leverage, as any team would, saying that if they franchise tag Jones for this season and next they would pay him an average of 36 million or so per year that is likely going to be the cap hit next year for that franchise tag so it's still a better bargaining point for the Giants uh, and his camp may have come down from that here's why it matters for Seahawks fans though because none of you care about Daniel Jones an excerpt uh, from Breer's column reads quote as for what this will mean for the rest of the quarterback market well it should have an impact Pay attention to this part. The Seahawks offer to Geno Smith, right now at least, isn't in the neighborhood of where the Giants negotiation with Jones is. So it stands to reason Smith should wait to see if the Seahawks tag him Tuesday and maybe test the market. Very interesting. Fourth down. Little nugget. So with that being said, do you think Geno will be franchise tag? Okay. Let's uh, let's wrap up with this one because I'm going back and forth and I'm just going to tell you all the thoughts and all the evidence we have. I didn't think he would be franchise tagged for the entirety of the offseason so far. That was reinforced when we heard this from John Schneider from the Combine. You have that flexibility within your within the cap. You know, you always have to do that if you want to to, to uh, try to continue to uh, build your team all throughout the year. You know, I'm talking all the way through the trade deadline or, you know, extending guys at the end of seasons and everything like that. So this could be, you know, this could be prohibitive. You know, I've, you know, obviously there's, there's different positions where it makes sense, you know, because the, the number's not quite as high. You know, like, that was a big deal for us to get the deal done with Jason Myers. I think I talked to you guys about that a couple weeks ago. Kicker's a position, you know, you, you can, you can, you know, you can, you can stomach it. We didn't want to do that, and uh, so we, we were able to work with his agency and and, uh, and get a deal done. But yeah, I've never really looked at it as a negative thing when people say, "Oh, you know, they get the franchise tag." Because if you get the franchise tag, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a it's a significant amount of money, especially at the premium positions. That's John Schneider saying, look, the franchise tag is still a pretty okay thing for a player. I've never loved using it. Uh, they've used it twice before their first year here when they tagged kicker Alundo Mare and then in 2019 when they tagged and then later traded Frank Clark. However, the franchise tag cost for a quarterback is higher than any other position. So I think that's also John Schneider saying, look, I'm not afraid to use the franchise tag. I don't think it's this horrible thing. However, it's a big cap hit probably doesn't love being able to use it because it doesn't give you a ton of flexibility. And also, they've never franchise tagged a quarterback. I mean, that's a much bigger bite out of your salary cap than is franchise tagging a kicker in 2010, right? Uh, I still am leaning towards no. In fact, I'm like 95% no they're not going to franchise tag him. But I used to be 100, so it's at least worth mentioning. Let's see what's on tap. This is What's on Tap with Bump and Stacy, brought to you by Dick's Driving. So, folks... What's on tap? The Mariners immediately follow us on Seattle Sports Station. Pre-game show starts at noon. First pitch is at 12, 10 p.m. Luis Castillo gets the start on the mound for Seattle. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. A tough ending for a game yesterday that's next in the timeline. This is the timeline with Bump and Stacy. Brought to you by 1-800-DUIOA. You are listening. 
listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Curtis Rogers in for Michael Bumpus today. And this is the timeline reading you the top stories you're going to see on your own timelines. By the way, timeline down today. Anyone else struggling with Twitter Yo, this morning? That was wild. <laughs> Making the timeline, I'm sure, was not easy. Yeah, this was a hard segment this to put together tough, today. It's a because, tough one for you. Uh, Twitter was having, uh, as as it's been having, you know, ever since a certain someone took over, yeah. a few hiccups this morning. A couple, a yeah. couple. See, I thought it was me. I thought that I got us a virus on the computer, oh, and I was like, yeah. I not was, again. No, listen, I, I clicked several links from Twitter that weren't working, and Uh-oh. then I thought I got us a virus on the computer, and I didn't say anything intentionally for several and minutes. And you were waiting until I said something yes. like, hey, my Twitter's not yes, working. Yes, because and I was like... like all oh, Curtis is going to do is say, oh, look at Stacy getting viruses on the computer again. <laughs> I do say that. <laughs> this has happened one time. <laughs> Let's get to the timeline. We're going to start with Cal Poly. Their season ended when one of their players in men's basketball made a layup at the buzzer. Unfortunately, mm. they needed a three to tie the game. And Cal Poly needs a three in these final four and a half. Taylor gets it in. Stevenson. Crosses the midcourt stripe. Stevenson attacks the rim, lays it in, and didn't realize the score. And Cal Poly has lost its 18th straight game on a last-second blunder from a guy who had the best night of his career. I don't know if he thought there was more time on the clock or if it was just a two-point game. Any way you slice it, this is a tough way to lose the basketball game if you're Cal Poly. Now, Brantley Stevenson, who had that shot, finished with 32 points in what became Cal Poly's season he finale. 33. It's, it's a career high, exactly. The problem is that in what became a 73-72 final score, he needed a three there to tie it. Instead, he goes for the layup, and he makes it. Like, fantastic. Congratulations, you have 72 points. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. How does this happen? How do we think this happened? Because your season is on the line. You just don't know the score. You got to know the situation, right? I think that it's possible that like in that, and he's not a freshman. He's a junior, junior forward. I think that it's, I think it is certainly possible. I'm not accusing anyone that, that one reason you would do that is you don't know the score. Now, often in college basketball in situations when you're down like three or down four, when you're down by more than just a simple two point field goal, Mm -hmm. you'll hear announcers say something like they don't need a three here. If you get a quick two, then you can get a three on the other end if they miss a foul. But there was only four seconds left. I wonder if this coach, because if you listen to the call, they mentioned that Cal Poly has lost 18 straight games. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't lose 18 straight games just because the other team is, you know, simply more talented than you. Yes. You lose 18 straight because your coaching is bad. Yeah. Like it's all bad. I wonder if this kid in the huddle prior to this because it was, you know, coming out of a huddle, they inbound the ball underneath the hoop. You got to take it the length of the court. I wonder if the coach may have told him like, "Hey, you don't need a 3 here. Just get a quick 2 and then we'll foul and hope to get it on the other." It's like, "Dude, you got 4 seconds to go full court." That's going to take up the entire clock. And, I mean, shout out to him for making the easy field goal. What's hilarious in this clip is the opposing team defense notices that he's stepping in front of the three-point line, and they just kind of, they ole. It's like, (laughs) all right, 
Have your layup. Go right ahead. Go for it. Absolutely. Not stopping you. I just feel bad for him. I mean, mean, it ends up being the best game of his career, and he doesn't get – he gets a second to be like, yeah, that's right, buzzer beater. One of of the great things or one of the bad things about this time of year, at least the the draw of conference tournament time and also March Madness is the drama. And also – watching these things kind of unfold in front of your eyes and being like, "Uh uh-oh, this is not going the way anybody had it planned. What's one of the most memorable March Momus madness that's also also one of the biggest bloopers of all time? It's Chris Webber calling a timeout when he doesn't have one. Like that to me is is one of the great blunders in in March Madness history, yeah. and it's also one of the great moments in history. And those are reasons why we watch this in March. What were one of the best moments from uh, last year's? Last year's tournament, St. Peter's going to the Elite Eight. Yeah, you had Kansas with the big comeback in the national championship game. You had North Carolina. Ending Mike Krzyzewski's regular season career with a win at Cameron Indoor and then also beating them in the final four, too. Yeah. Um, I did. I tell you, Katie's team randomly became North Carolina. Really? She's a Tar Heel now. Yeah. She just she decided last year, uh, like, I'm just going to root for North Carolina. Knows nothing about them, but it was a great year. Have you told her that they're probably not making the tournament this year? I can't. I can't break the news to her. I don't know that she knows they're still. A friend, uh, team. <laughs> oh, you got a reminder. You're a I'm North Carolina fan. Oh, yeah, reminded. yeah, you're right. I ha- that's the thing. Is none of my fr- Actually, Katie's a sports fan. I don't have a lot of friends that are diehard sports fans, so they just randomly are assigned teams that they root for. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long story. Anyway, she'll be heartbroken. She'll be heartbroken. Darn. Next up in the story here, Giannis Antetokounmpo recorded a triple-double. Congratulations, Giannis, by getting his own rebound off a purposely missed shot attempt <laughs> in the game's final seconds. running out of time. Kisberg off the mark. Another rebound there to Giannis. He's going to finish one rebound shy of a triple-double. And that'll do it. Oh, he got it. Does that count? <laughs> I'll allow it. Stat padding. I'll allow it. When athletes tell you, oh, yeah, I have no idea what my stats are during a game, lies. They all know what their stats are during a game. Every single one of them. Yes. They know how many points they've scored, how many assists, how many rebounds. In, in football, they all know how many yards they have, how many touchdowns they have. Every single one of them keeps track during a game. Absolutely. It's like when you say you don't know the score of the other uh, team, like in a playoff situation. No, you do. You always do. You have someone on the sideline yes. who's like, hey, we're still in this. Keep keep going. We're Remember, still in this. Uh, who was the wide receiver in week 17, probably like three or four years ago for the Seahawks, that needed one reception to, in order to cash in like a $100,000 bonus. And oh. the Seahawks had the game won. Yes, 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 yes. And they yes. were throwing the football with like a minute left in the game. And, uh, was it Russell Wilson who purposely tossed yeah, him one? Yeah, and got the guy his like $100,000. Oh was God. it Paul Richardson? Was it? I don't know. If someone remembers, it can you somebody. text it in? 866-979-3776. And I bet there might be some sort of incentive bonus uh, that Giannis has for a number of triple doubles yeah. at the end of the season. And maybe he's trying to you know pad his stats for some MVP consideration. Sure. Yeah. Every athlete keeps track of their stats. I'll allow it. I think it's 
again, it's the end of a game. It's the final split second. Like, you don't have to be someone <laughs> that's like, it anybody. just doesn't respect the integrity of the game. Oh, you don't go chasing stats oh, out there. Oh, God, get over Blah. it. It's Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Curtis Rogers in for Michael Bumpus today. And we are wrapping up this show because we're sending you to Mariners Baseball. Oh, oh, yes, yes. We're sending you to uh, Mariners Baseball. Uh, first pitch is at 1210, but we're sending you to a pregame show at noon. So we only have 15 minutes left with you. And we need your questions for what I need to know. Get them in now. 866-979-3776. Any question, any question you have, text it now. 866-979-3776. That's next. Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. It's what I need to know. Brought to you by All Red Heating, Cooling Electric. We could use your questions. Any and all of your questions, sports, non-sports, it doesn't matter. Get them sent in now to the Mac and Jack's text line. 866-979-3776. Here we go. What I need to know. Um... Do they need to implement a rule at the NFL Combine where if you accept an invite, you have to participate in all drills, assuming you're healthy enough to? Uh, I don't know. There's some drills that just aren't pertinent to the position that... Yeah, why are linemen, O-linemen running 40s? Yeah, why are O-linemen doing the vertical leap? You I don't know? care. I want Like, how much do you squat, right? Yeah, how much do you bench? How much do you bench? I mean, it, it is, I guess, cool to say that, you know, Anthony Richardson has the highest vertical leap of any quarterback ever. But the guy he beat was Josh Portis, who wasn't exactly like, he, he wasn't. How he, dare you? He, he didn't have a great NFL career. Huge Josh Portis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Seahawk preseason legend, Josh Portis. Um, look, it's the combine, I think, is losing its luster where Players are prioritizing their pro days over the combine because it's a familiar environment. Mm -hmm. They're throwing to familiar targets. Mm -hmm. They're playing with familiar players. Um, But there's a lot more to be gained, I think, by the players that do choose to participate in the combine than who do participate in their pro days. Uh, But mandatory drills for everybody, I don't think that's necessary. I understand the question because it's like, well, why are you showing up? And then you don't get to watch the best players. I think, though, that leaning on what Bump said during a four-down territory a couple days ago, that the most important thing a lot of teams care about are those interviews. And so if you were showing up, like, I'm not going to talk to anyone, I'm not doing interviews, I'm just here to, what, be there, then I'd be like, why did you come at all? But I think a lot of these guys still do those interviews. In fact, I would assume that all those guys still do interviews. And that's low-key the most important part. Like, if you're doing medicals and interviews, right? That's what Bump said. Uh, All right, next question of what I need to know. Again, you can get your questions into the Mac and Jack's text line, 866-979-3776. If Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen switched teams, would Josh Allen have three Super Bowl appearances under Andy Reid, or would Mahomes take the bills further than Josh Allen has? I like this question. That's a good one. I think Allen gets to at least one Super Bowl. I, yeah, well, for sure, because there was a moment where think of how stacked that team was. And it, it, there was this narrative that like, oh, the defense is horrible and the offense is great. They had they had great players defensively. They just would allow a ton of yards, but yeah. they were like getting a ton of sacks, plenty of pressure. And the year that they won the Super Bowl in 2019, yes. I want to say. Uh, and then obviously defense uh, was solid this year, mm-hmm. even if they weren't the better half of the football I wonder, 
if in the 2021 season where the Chiefs beat the Bills in that classic divisional mm-hmm. round game. Great game. I wonder if Josh Allen is on the Chiefs that year. They beat the Bengals because Patrick Mahomes, if you remember, did not have a great game in the yes. AFC championship. And Josh Allen at the time in that divisional round game was incredible. Like he had a, I think he had a perfect passer rating that day. It wasn't because of him that they lost. Uh, and in fact, they had to rewrite the playoff rules in order to get teams to get mm-hmm. both teams a possession in overtime uh, because of how great that game was. I wonder if Josh Allen on the 2021 Chiefs beats the Bengals in the AFC a little, Championship game. I was going to say tougher to predict, but you can't predict Mahomes either. They just tapped into how to stop Mahomes in that one. Yeah. It, like it, it was a perfectly drawn up defensive game plan. And uh, yeah, that's a good question. Good one. Um, do you see a world where the Hawks let Geno walk, sign Drew Locke and uh, draft a quarterback with the number five overall pick? Yeah. Certainly. Mm-hmm. I certainly see a world where if Gino says, no, I saw, uh, let's say Daniel Jones is not franchise tagged and gets like 38. I can see a world where the Seahawks say, hey, that's a little more than we wanted to spend. We recognize that, you know, that might be your market value, but that's not where we're at right now. And and let him walk. I absolutely see that world. Any outcome with the Seahawks quarterback position. Is possible. I could see it happening. Yeah. 1,000%. Drafting at five, drafting at nine, whatever it is. Uh, what I need to know if Jared Kelnick has significantly more home runs uh, prior to the all-star break, does he get the nod to go to the home run derby instead of Julio? I mean, he's got to be an all-star first. Like you can have a lot of home runs, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee you a spot in the home run derby. I think they've only given it to get, they've only allowed participation in the home run derby from a few guys in history that have not made the all-star team. So it's, you got to have a rare kind of year to get uh, added to the home run derby without making the all-star team. And that is a large expectation to place on Jared Kelnick, who is still looking to have a major league, like average season. I also think that sometimes it is the name and like, unless the difference is monumental, like big double digits, not just like, Oh, six home runs. Like I'm talking like 20. I would imagine that's way too big for the all-star break. I'm talking like a 10 home run difference. I would imagine with the game being here, there is going to be some kind of Mariner presence in the home run derby. Uh, Julio being the most likely guy to be in the Derby. Yeah. Uh, what I need to know, what's going to happen with Rashad Penny? Rashad Penny set to become a free agent. Uh, the Seahawks, I think with the question marks that they've tended to have every year because of injury at running back, could probably bring him back on a team-friendly deal just like they did last year. And honestly, I'd consider it. I'm kind of over, You're over waiting Rashad for Penny. Rashad Penny. Yeah, he gave us a nice uh, second half to the 2021 season. But but if you know that he can I, work and he can be cheap. I think the future's Ken Walker here. Yeah, but Ken Walker and then who can be your other potential starter here? You go, get, you go get somebody in the draft or something like that. I'm just, I'm tired of waiting for Rashad Penny. Thank you for your five years here in Seattle. No. but Rashad Penny hater, that's what this is sure. right now. Oh, you know me and Seahawks running backs. Yeah. We don't get along well. <laughs> what I need to know, Stacey and Curtis, how was your weekend? What a kind question. Weekend was good. We went over to my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's house. Uh, their, old, or their one kid is just a week younger than Willis, so they hung out and played, and we just hung out and snacked and 
Nice. Just had a chill Sunday. How was your Uh Good. Weekend? I spent the entire weekend uh, reading about Tom and Ariana. And I'm are, you, are you proud of me for not spending more than one minute of the show talking about we it? Opened, I didn't even explain. We opened with the show. We did not open with it. Or we I opened the show with it, it, and now we're closing the show with no, it. No, 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 no. We've bookended. I'm, I mentioned it. Yeah. That's all I did. I didn't even explain what it was about, nor did I spend that much time. Did I talk with Mike Salk about it for a good like minute when I came in here? Sure. He looked like he looked like you, he was dying yeah, to get out like, of here. Yeah, he's like, I need to find an excuse <laughs> to end this conversation. Look, you know when animals will like chew off their arm to get out of a trap? That was Mike Salk <laughs> being in this room. All right, we are taking you to Mariners baseball. Luis Castillo on the mound for Seattle. Play by play coming your way. First pitch at twelve ten. Don't go anywhere.